Today on Game and Read, we've reached the 500 meter mark. Welcome to Game and Read. I'm Aaron. My name is Peter. And we are back for another episode of Friday Reads. This is the podcast where we tell you what we've been reading and playing, what we're taking into the weekend, and we give you some recommendations. If you enjoy this episode, you can find all the others just like it anywhere you find your podcast. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, you can find us. You can also find us on Twitter at Game and Read and on Instagram at Game and Read. Last week, my Friday reads was Girl Unknown by Karen Perry, and I enjoyed this book quite a bit. It is a psychological thriller, uh, and it is not stellar, but it was fun. <laughs> The story follows this family who are kind of, they're not building their life back, but they've had some issues in their marriage. It's Caroline and David, and uh, David is up for a promotion at his university job. Caroline is, may have had an indiscretion, (laughs) and they're repairing their relationship from that. sexy results? No, (laughs) actually. And actually, there was no sex. Anyway... It was just like an indiscretion, an emotional indiscretion. Okay, okay. Anyway, they're on like sort of this tenuous, like they've they've reconciled mostly. And then this this girl, woman, Zoe, shows up at David's office one day and says, you're my dad. Dun dun. Exactly. There's a lot more to Zoe than meets the eye. And I appreciated that because when I started this book, I thought that... Like, oh, this is just another psychological thriller with the unreliable narrator and like we don't really know what's going on and and the book moves between Caroline and David's perspective. So you get you get both and both are like maybe unreliable narrators. Who is Zoe? Is she really who she says she is? Does she really have, you know, this this history or background that she says. Um, And so I think the shifting perspectives and that we never get Zoe's perspective, everything is just like looking at Zoe through the lens of other people does a good job of building confusion and does make the kind of twist element a little more satisfying at the end. Um, Like I said, it's, not the most creative story <laughs> in this age of unreliable narrator. Like that's been done many, many, many times and has been done very well and has been done very poorly. I'd say this is middling. Like it's like I said, it was a ton of fun, um, but it wasn't anything incredible. But I did like the academic setting. I'm a sucker for an academic setting. And I like I said, I think Zoe is more complicated than I initially anticipated. And so that added 
this element of like, oh, I don't actually know where they're going with this character, which I appreciated. I like when I don't, I can't like, you know, yeah. tell, they don't telegraph exactly where we're going or, you know, they add a little complexity. So that everybody nice. likes to be surprised and not be able to predict everything that's going to happen. Exactly. And I think that with this, like the last, what, like 10 years, the surge of unreliable narrator stories, it's harder to write one that does give you, a, a as the reader, a good surprise just because it, the same kind of patterns get done over and over. And so this one did have some surprises to it. Um, this one did have some surprises to it, and I, I enjoyed that. So I think if you're looking for kind of a, a fast-paced, um, not – super complicated but fun thriller to read i would say pick this one up so that's girl unknown by karen perry last week i played mr driller colon drill land and i enjoyed this game it's a pretty nice compilation of different variations on the Miller Dr- Mr. Driller concept, which, as I described last week, is all about kind of tunneling downward, breaking apart these blocks, avoiding cave-ins where you get crushed, and trying to not run out of oxygen. And honestly, the, the number of quality variations they made for all these different attractions in the theme park uh, were pretty inventive and pretty fun. The couple that really stood out to me, I know last week I mentioned the uh, the Draga level, and that was a really interesting take on Mr. Driller because it turns it into kind of a dungeon crawl RPG. So they have like a full item menu where you can use items you pick up to change the colors of blocks, attack enemies, exploding certain blocks. And you actually have to make your way through kind of a a maze of screens. So there's certain exits and you need to find a key, find the door the key goes to, uh, and fight a boss at the end, all while just kind of using the standard Mr. Driller mechanics of, like, move and drill. And it's surprising how well I think they were able to integrate that all together, and it was a really fun level to play through. Additionally, they had kind of a Indiana Jones-themed one, and this one was um, fun and a bit more simplified because it's all about getting as many golden idols as the, the challenge requires, so it's like 10 or 20. And then they add in these rolling boulders because it's Indiana Jones. Of course. So once you, uh, they're, they're trapped in with all the, the different colored bricks. But once they are free to move left or right, they start rolling. And if they hit you, they just like crush you and take away one of your lives. And so it's all about like, you know, if you like break a brick and you drop down, but then the ball is also coming after you, you've got to get away from that ball before it touches you. So it will drop down like if... If it's rolling and it hits a if hole. If it has any room to move left or right, it will move. What Can it go down or does it stay on yeah. one plane? So if it rolls left or right, it will ka-chunk, ka-chunk down. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That's dangerous. Right. And <laughs> even if you think you're safe by like being on one brick, it will sometimes break through individual bricks if it's going to like hurt you. And so it gets... That one was uh, pretty tricky, but it was really quite fun. And then there were a few kind of slightly more... Uh, the standard fair ones. There's kind of a space themed one that was mostly just normal Mr. Driller with a couple of like black hole effects. Uh, one that is just full on. It's a small world, but it's Mr. Driller. So you're going through different like lands, different countries. And then there's little like mascots dancing around. 
Uh, and then there's kind of a horror-themed one that involves fighting these ghosts that move through, like, they will, like, inhabit the bricks. And so you need to get holy water and, you know, splash it all on them. And as you're playing the game, once you beat each one of these levels once, it progresses the the story, quote-unquote, and you fight a big boss to complete the, the nefarious plot of Drill Land. Um, and afterwards... Once that whole sequence is done, you can play just very hard versions of all of these levels. They've got increasing tiers. And I tried all of them on, like, the second level. It got really hard. Like, the first level was pretty doable. A couple of them took me a few tries. And then I, like, I I don't think I completed a full second level of any of these. They were tough. And they go up to, like, level four. (laughs) So... You know, Mr. Driller is a pretty tough game once you get out of kind of the the base stages. Um, It is really fun, though. I was really pleased to see that level of challenge, but that they let you get to at least the end of the story without it getting really ramped up too much. And if you're looking for, like, a fun arcade game with some kind of cute Japanese mascot characters, it's a really good game. Would I necessarily say it's worth... I think I... I think it's 60 full price and that might be a little much, especially since it's, you know, a port of a almost 20 year old game now. But if you ever catch it on sale, I think it's definitely worth your time, especially if you enjoy arcade style games, but want a little bit more structure and variation to them. So Mr. Driller Drill Land, I give it a thumbs up. I'm probably going to pick it up from time to time when I'm looking for something casual, but has a goal. This week, my Friday reads is The Witch Hunter by Max Seek. This is a Finnish book from 2020. It is the first in the Jessica Niemi detective series. The premise of this book is that the wife of a prominent author turns up dead, but she's not just like regular dead. (laughs) She's been killed and posed just like her husband described in one of his international bestselling books. Investigator Jessica Niemi is assigned to the case, and it quickly becomes evident that there's more than meets the eye at the scene, and the killer is not going to be done after just one murder, and these books and the author are an integral part of what is going on. Someone described it, I was reading online, as a blend of police procedural and horror, which I'm all about that it (laughs) sounded great so that's what i will be taking into this weekend it is the witch hunter by max seek so last week i talked about during the recommendation section uh my love of the kind of action platformers that have really come into their own during this past decade especially ones by independent studios and smaller studios and how they've really have made a lot of new creative choices and really made a kind of thriving action platformer and metroidvania scene um if you're unfamiliar metroidvania is a game that is similar to the metroid series series or the castlevania series they often involve exploration some combat and some platforming and kind of a big twisty turny map that you have to revisit over and over again and you know, upon reflecting on that, there I do have a blind spot of a, you know, fairly recent one that got great reviews, uh, and so that's what I'm going to be playing this week, and that is Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight is a 2017 action platformer from Team Cherry, 
and was programmed and designed by a three-person team of William Pellin, Ari Gibson, and David Kazai. Uh, it was partially funded by a Kickstarter, and it's right now kind of on all the platforms. It's just kind of an you-can-play-it-anywhere game, um, and it's one that I've really been meaning to get to. Hollow Knight takes place in uh, the ruined kingdom of Hollow Nest. Hollow Nest? There's an A. <laughs> there are a handful of kind of these surviving bug people who live there. Um, but most of the ruins are filled with these monstrous different types of bugs that are trying to kill you. You know, fun stuff. Uh, you control a little knight with a sword, and he's got this kind of big white mask with horns. He's, like, cute, but also creepy. Like, I yeah. wouldn't want to wake up and have him be standing at the edge of my bed, but <laughs> if I saw him in the daylight, I'd be like, oh. He's kind of like a Q-bone. Yes, exactly. He's cute, but he's got, like, a spooky mask on, but he can also kick your butt. Yes. I don't have a ton of plot details for this game. The plot in the beginning that I've been playing so far is a little vague, uh, but you seem to be a traveler and you're kind of exploring what used to be this kind of big bug kingdom that once existed. And there's, you know, some sort of corruption going on in there. So I'm very curious to uh, see what this, you know, leads to. Uh, It's got a bit of a reputation as being a fairly tough game. A lot of these ones do. But based on what I've been playing so far, I think it seems to be fairly reasonable amount. I guess we'll see if it really <laughs> ramps up. And uh, I just really love this genre of game, so I'm excited to play one that I've just been meaning to get around to. So that will be my game this week, Hollow Knight. For my recommendation this week, I am sticking with the Across the Pond thriller. Uh, So my um, Friday Reads was Irish. Next week's Friday Reads is Finnish. My recommendation this week is The Night Walker by Sebastian Fitzek, who is German. Octo Lieber. It was translated by Jamie Lee Searle and published in 2013. And it's about this man, Leon. When Leon was younger, he had terrible insomnia, and then he had terrible sleepwalkingness. I don't know what it's called when you sleepwalk. Oh, uh, somnambulism. Ooh, thank you. That he had that. Uh, and sometimes his sleepwalking turned violent. It was not good. Decades later, he has gone through lots of psychiatric treatment. He is really sure he's been cured of the sleepwalking. He's good to go. But one day, Leon's wife disappears, maybe under mysterious circumstances, and Leon gets concerned that he might be sleepwalking again and he did something that he can't remember. He decides that the best way to handle this is to strap a camera to his forehead, GoPro style, while he sleeps. And when he does that, he learns not only is he sleepwalking, but he is getting into some dangerous territory mm-hmm. and things are not so good. This is a great thriller. It's super creepy. The I talked about the unreliable narrator with Girl Unknown and how you know it's been done a lot. Um, I think the Nightwalker does a really great job of giving you the unreliable narrator, but he's unreliable because he sleepwalks. <laughs> like I think that's just like he's such not a, malicious in he, his like intent. <laughs> exactly, it's such a fun like twist on why someone is unreliable, um, and it's because they literally aren't making decisions as a conscious person. So I love that aspect of it. Uh, I think it's really creative. 
And like I said, this is just a creepy book. I loved it. It's kind of an alternate take on like a multiple personalities situation where it's like, it was my hands that did it, but I wasn't in control. Except I was asleep, not a different person. (laughs) Right, exactly. And that's one of the things that like, I think that there's a lot of books out there in which that is why they're unreliable is because there's some sort of like, oh, it is, you know, it's multiple personalities or it's, you know, I don't know. Some other sort of magic or psychosis going on. Exactly. magic psychosis. Exactly. And so I love that it's just like it's a sleepwalking insomnia. Say it again. Somnambulism. <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> Somnambulism. I think you have to say ambulism because that's like the walking part. But it's like S-O-M-N, ambulism. He w- yes. Yes, he's a somnambulist. He's a somnambulist. A scary one. Uh, so if you are looking for a great, unreliable narrator, thriller, creepy somnambulatastic book <laughs> uh, pick up the Nightwalker by sebastian fitzek for my recommendation this week i have the 20th anniversary of i'm gonna say an underrated gem but it's like a minor gem it's like a nice piece of quartz agreed agreed and that game is the adventures of cookie and cream which is now 20 years old. Uh, Cookie and Cream is a cooperative or single-player puzzle platformer game from From Software, uh, originally released for the the PS2 a great 20 years ago in uh, 2001. (laughs) (laughs) 2001. And uh, in this game, you control two bunnies named Cookie and Cream who are friends and go on an adventure together through kind of I, I think there's some I can't remember the story's not important. It's all about just kind of fun platforming, but there is something there's some sort of impetus. I'm there's, gonna guess their their treats got stolen. I actually might be close to what it There's is. some drive, but it's really just adorable and fun. Yeah, it's like super monkey ball where technically they're saving all the bananas that got stolen from them. <laughs> but this game is interesting because one, it was developed by From Software, which is the studio now world famous for making the Dark Souls games. Which is hilarious because The Adventures of Cookies and Cream is like the a playful, fun, bright colored, like cute bunnies. Well, you say that, but remember when you and I played it, it's pretty hard. It's oh, not I, nearly as hard as a Souls game. I didn't say it wasn't hard because it was, but <laughs> aesthetically it is nothing like the Dark Souls game. Right, well, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, directors and what they were going <laughs> for. I think they were trying to make a fun all-ages platformer. Fair. You know, several years before they were even developing anything close to Demon Souls, which I think came out in 2008 or 2009. So a, bi- a fairly big generational gap there. The other thing that makes this game really stand out is the kind of control mechanism. So this game, there's one or two player modes, but it's the same game either way. And the way that works is if you're playing in two player modes, each one of you is controlling one of the bunnies and they are on one side of the the track. It's kind of a top down perspective and all the levels are kind of long vertical paths And so as you go, you have to say, open a gate for the other person and they get through and then open the gate for you. And there's different challenges and puzzles on either side of the path. 
And so uh, it, it's very great for a cooperative because one of you can just, you know, play a bunny. One of you can play the other bunny. However, if you're playing this solo, the way it works is you have your, your dual shock 2, dual analog stick controller for the PlayStation 2, and you are controlling each bunny with one joystick. And then the, the, the couple of buttons you need on either side. This feels very Octodad, where it's <laughs> but like... But by yourself. <laughs> but by yourself, where it's like, oh, this controls that, and this one controls that, and you have to figure out how to, like, not move one when you meant to move the other, <laughs> and it's just chaos. Yes, I imagine it's fairly... It's one of those things where it's like, some games are complicated by adding more players like Octodad, but this game, I feel like, is really complicated by trying to do it yourself because you're like left, right, left brain, right braining it the whole time. <laughs> they're like, you better find a friend to do this game with you. <laughs> right, but it's also just funny that they're like fully designed to be like, oh, how would you do one or co-op? And they're just like, yeah, you can just control both bunnies with you know the the two analog controllers that we now have in the PS2 era, uh, and it's it's pretty neat for that. It was. It's a fairly early PS2 game because it came out in 2000 in Japan and 01 here in North America. So it was on the the early end um, of the, the PS2 era. And I just recommend this because I feel like it's one of those games where it looks, like Aaron said, like a very kiddie, kid-friendly game. And a lot of those aren't necessarily great. And I wouldn't say this is a world-class video game, but it is interesting. It was definitely doing something different than any other platformers or puzzle games I've played. And I really like when something is very kind of concretely designed where they have a very clear idea of what it's like to play this game by yourself and a very clear idea of what this game is like to play with a partner. And I like that it can kind of be either one and they're totally different experiences, but it works for either end. It just seems very clever. Uh, so I just wanted to give it, you know, a shout out with this time. It was re-released on the DS in 2007 and at least according to Wikipedia, it's available on the PlayStation 3, which the store is staying up. So you might still be able to purchase this game if uh, that's actually on the PlayStation 3 digital store. I'd be very surprised if From put any effort into republishing this game in the future. But it would be cool if they did just because it is kind of a... a it feels very significant of that time because there were just lots of cutesy platformers back then, and this one was actually pretty good. So my recommendation for this week, The Adventures of Cookie and Cream, 20th Anniversary. That's all we have for this week's episode of Friday Reads. You can listen to all of our Friday Reads and pairing episodes at gameandread.wordpress.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, etc. Go subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on social media. I'm on Twitter at Game and Read, and we have an Instagram with that same handle. You can follow me on Twitter at BookishTextPat and on Instagram at A Tale of Two Shelves. Our intro music was written and performed by Avery Murchison, and there's a link to his Bandcamp on the episode description. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Game and read.